0: It's time to watch a movie you've never seen There might be some ninjas or a crazy death machine But there'll be smiles and there'll be tears You won't watch another movie for about 800 years It's time for Death by video,
1: time for death. By video,
0: with Phil and Kit and Lillian and Graham. It's death by video. Yay! Oh, I'm Phil. I'm Kit. I'm Lil. And I'm Graham, saying welcome back to Death by Video, and welcome back, Lillian. We missed you so much last week. We delayed watching The Witch Who Came In From the Sea until you came back, because we wanted to experience it with you.
1: Oh my god, I missed you guys, too. Likewise.
0: Yeah. Yes. All right, guys. You know the gate drill. What have we all seen since we last recorded? Phil. Blackula! On the movie night. Nice. Weren't you there
2: for Demons 2 as well? No. No, I had to leave for Demons 2, but I've seen Demons 2.
0: Yeah, it was much better on Blu-ray, though, I have to
2: say. Oh, I believe it. Blackula with uh, Canadian Gordon Pinsent.
0: Yeah, not who you would think to show up in a exploitation vampire film from 1971 or 72, but uh, he was good in it as a cop from we couldn't figure out what city, if it was LA or San Francisco that he was in. It was some city on the west coast with a bay. Somewhere in the bay area. Could be Oakland.
3: That's a great fun fact about Gordon Pinsent though, that he was in Blackula. Yep.
0: Yeah. The Order of Canada recipient, the voice of Babar, the supreme Newfoundlander, as we like to call him back home.
2: I'm sure when they were going over his resume. Is somebody's phone going off?
0: Anyways, so what else have you seen, Phil, since we last recorded? Uh, nothing. It's been a slow week. Oh. Kit, what have you seen since we last recorded? I've just
3: primarily watched, again, that stupid uh, Facebook game, the, the ten movies that had an impact on you. Mm-hmm. So I finished off of those. Which ones did you watch? Uh, well, you want me to go through all ten real quick? Yeah, sure. All right, see if I can remember. So we oh, got. You watched them all. I yeah, I actually watched them all, which cool. is a bit much. I took this very seriously. Um, I you even know what? I um, even got my own screenshots. Like I did the uh the take the snapshot in the VLC player, and I got my own screenshots, and
0: it was uh yeah.
1: Oh cool. Okay. So.
0: Good for you. I've been meaning to do that, but like I've been watching the movies because I've been doing 31 days of horror for Halloween, which is kind of driving me insane a little bit right now. Mm. There's 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 too much going on. Too much wonderful stuff. I'm at, I'm at number sixteen. Tonight is number sixteen for me. Actually, yeah, because I skipped today because I watched two on Saturday. Keep going. Okay, so what so movie? Anyway, yeah, we Barry got Linden. Uh, Barry Lyndon. Yeah, starting it off. That's the first time I've seen classic it. just this year. I just saw that for the first time. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. As I Loved pointed it. out, yeah, <laughs> I was like on your Facebook post, like you only saw that a week ago. <laughs> three hours of really solid movie.
1: And you said it had an impact, Joe.
0: It did. Homie. <laughs> or had an
3: impact. Right? My boy Barry Lind's, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh, that was a sweet movie. Okay. Um, and then we got A Serious Man. Ooh, yes, the Coen Brothers film. My, I think possibly my favorite Coen Brothers film. I'm yeah. not sure. It's, it's a crowded field, obviously. They've, they've produced they, a they've, number yeah. of, of classic, wonderful films, and one really bad one. Uh, was that intolerable cruelty or no? Which one are you, you're oh the um the, the lady ladies, killers, the lady killers, which I've never seen
0: intolerable cruelty has moments of that's the only Tom Hanks film, which is I know. That's such a shame. And the last one, I think that's why because they were just like this is a, a union that should be never <laughs> made again. I feel like Tom Hanks would be a match for
3: uh, for Cohen Brothers. He was not Maybe it was just a bad script. I mean, it was is is it
0: their only? No, it's not their only. It's remake. a remake. Uh, But yeah, because they remade... uh, True Grit. True Grit and... uh, What should we call it? Over the Rare Art that was kind of inspired by Ulysses. Yeah, yeah. And and also, like, No Country for Old Men is based on a book.
3: So those... Yeah. But most of their output is just original Mm -hmm. screenplay written and directed by... Yeah. um, And Serious Man is one of those. And I think it's my favorite. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Just something about it. Yeah.
1: Intolerable Cruelty? Why is that ringing a bell but not... I feel like I'm. It's
2: with George Clooney
1: and Katherine yeah, Jones. that's that's them too.
0: I've also never seen that one. I hear it's, it's not fun. as bad. No, no, it's not. It's it's fun. Like I saw it. It's in one theaters. of the only
2: movies
1: that's to... not
2: written by them.
1: Okay, because I, I I I I gotta say I watched that and I was like, what the hell is this shit? But I'll if you like you guys are saying it's good. I'll check it out again
0: i'm, I'm saying it. it's good uh I, yeah i it was it was a light screwball com- it was a screwball comedy in the purest sense of the term screwball comedy hail
2: caesar was pretty whack I yeah say. i still haven't
0: seen hail caesar but the thing is it's got george clooney like it's making okay bug- harold yeah. caesar is, hail caesar is okay <laughs> i love harold caesar harold caesar he's my neighbor yeah <laughs> um uh what else are in your top 10 you need to remind yourself uh no okay. come on that would be silly wouldn't it <laughs> as you're rapidly scrolling through your phone right now
3: <laughs> I, I definitely remember all the films that i that i, that yeah. I picked they they're so near and dear to me mm-hmm. um yeah so that it was a, a serious man followed up by uh oh uh, the haunting which is appropriate yes. for this month the
0: original one not the liam neeson the original, 1999 63 1990
3: one and not this whatever's going on netflix now i'm not sure that's, I that's want to the dip haunting into of that. hill house it's
0: based on the same source material though I don't know because there's the haunting, and then there was the, the haunting, haunting of based, Hill House, and then the there haunting was is based on the house shrimp. on Haunted Hill. There's been so many movies around that that core idea of like a haunted house.
3: It's uh, who wrote the book? Is it Shirley Jackson. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's based. They're based on the same material, I believe.
2: I saw the trailer for the haunting of Hill House, the series. It looks to be very, very loosely. I don't tangentially. I, it seems to be very tangentially based on books. Like, It's probably at the same haunted house, but the characters
3: are, yeah. I think they're looking for a number of seasons from that one. So they don't want to go into the main story. They were
0: like, there's some other spooky shit that happened at this house. I don't think, um, I just want to, I'm just looking it up right now because I actually don't think it was based, that The Haunting was based on that book. It is, for sure. 100%. Okay, then let's and, look and at the the right
2: Bond's Bond... Uh, you are was,
0: correct. I, I Sorry. know I am. Yep. Yeah. The, yeah. The Beyond
2: the Bond movie, The Haunting, was also based on the Haunting of Hill House.
0: Yes. Yeah, there was the Liam Neeson movie, and then there was another movie,
3: wasn't there? The Haunting of Hill House? Or the there was
0: Haunting? a Haunting of Hill House. There, there's been, like, a bunch of adaptations of that of that work. And 13 Ghosts pops into my head for some reason. I don't that know why. was I, That was, I think, the <laughs> William Castle knockoff, <laughs> okay. uh, which then got remade in the late 90s, early 2000s, when they were resurrecting the Dark Castle uh, line of films, which are remakes of William Castle pictures.
3: All right, so next up we got uh, Mulholland Drive. Yeah. I don't need to say anything about that. No, it's great. Hell of a film. Just watch it. Uh, then I got the piano teacher, which affected mm-hmm. me when I first watched it. And I'll, yep. I'll go to bat for that film. I, I say it's you need to do that. It's it's hard to watch, um, and some may say, "Hey, maybe an unpleasant viewing experience is not worth my time." Maybe you're right. I don't know. Or but maybe
0: you should shut the hell up <laughs> and let <that> Kit <kick laughs> watch <and> live <laughs> his own wrong. life.
3: It's it's got a masterclass uh, directing from Michael Haneke and also a, a powerful performance by Isabelle Huppert. So um, I liked it yeah. in a weird way. Uh, then mm-hmm. we've got there will be blood. Yeah, because there will. I think my film, my favorite film of the last decade. I mean, meaning the last decade, not the one we're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, the aughts, and then I got Alien, which received the most likes out of all my posts. So really? I-, I guess that's
0: my most popular. It it, it it's a popular film, I guess. I Oh, you don't like Alien? No, no, I, I like Alien quite a bit. I just I just feel that, like, you listed Barry Lyndon, you did The Haunting, you know, you did The Piano Teacher, more... Piano the teacher original, Piano Teacher the fewest like so... But I expect that. More original... Not original, but just, like, more things that, like, are more, I think, descriptive to you hey, as a person.
1: don't downplay the impact of Alien.
0: I'm not. I not. all I'm saying is that, like, I feel that, like, when you get into, like, the more outside-the-box things, other than stuff that's, like, massively known, that that says a little bit more about you. Like, that's I think what I was the trying haunting, to do. Yeah,
3: yeah. Um, but mm-hmm. Alien is like the first movie, one of the first movies I can remember watching. Watching it, obviously, way too too young. Yeah, uh, just the uh, the John Hurt chest popping scene alone scarred me for life. Mm-hmm. Even when it when it happens again and. Spaceballs still terrifies me.
0: I actually never I saw Spaceballs before Alien, and oh, when no. that actually happened, I was terrified. Like my, me and my dad, my dad had to change the channel because I was so afraid of this alien busting out of John Hurt at the diner. Because I was like the entire time because we didn't see the start of Spaceballs, we were like, "What is this movie? I've never heard of it." And it's like they keep talking about Spaceballs, and I'm like, "I think it was." And I told my dad the next, time, I'm like, "I think it was called Spaceballs," and he's like, "I think you're right." Yeah.
3: Classic yeah. film as well. I could have mm-hmm. included that one. Saw it a lot when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. Uh, Then we got Akira, which I really love. Um, They're currently going about making a remake. Well, not a remake. They've been trying
0: to adapt it for like 100 years now.
3: It's been through so many direct. Like Spielberg was going to do it. Christopher Nolan was going to do it. Brad Pitt was going to star in it at one point. Brad Pitt was going to star in it at one point. Jordan Peele recently was was attached to direct. And now um, Mm -hmm. the... New Zealand guy whose name I can never pronounce. Tata w- w- Wittwecky? Yes. Yes. He is apparently going to go ahead and do it and he's ready to do it and it's going to be an all Japanese cast which is
0: probably the right way to go. He said no to Scarlett Johansson. He already did, yes. You cut you cut out again there, Kit. Oh. He said no to Scarlett Johansson. That was your joke.
3: Well, that was Phil's joke.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
3: But uh, I agree, yes. So he's not whitewashing it. It's, it's, it's going to be an all Japanese cast. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they'll be speaking English. Probably. We'll see what he does.
0: Kind of like that movie that uh, Paul Greengrass did about the Norwegian terror attack. Funny thing is, about that movie, though, yeah. is a,
3: a big a big plot point in uh, the movie Akira is that um, oh, it's it's set in 2019, mm-hmm. and the um, the Tokyo oh, Olympics crap, it's soon. Yeah, the Tokyo Olympics are happening next year, and, and Akira mm-hmm. is buried beneath the Olympic stadium that they're building, and the Olympics are happening in Tokyo in 2020. Oh shit! I know. So Akira will return. Um, and then I've got Reservoir Dogs. Yep. I was going to pick Pulp Fiction, but then I thought Reservoir Dogs. Although I rewatched it and mm-hmm. I'm like, man, some of that dialogue sucks. Well, Reservoir Dogs? Yeah. Well, it's also just so totally totally
0: deliberate as well.
3: I think the acting is pretty good mm-hmm. It carries some of the bad dialogue like, yep. you know, Harvey well, Keitel's like, really good. Cuz I cuz I recently I recently,
0: recently dug into. I didn't rewatch it all, but I watched a lot of clips from True Romance cuz I was thinking about it lately and I'm like, man, Everyone in that movie just elevated Tarantino's dialogue so much. And I feel that's that in Reservoir I... Dogs, it was kind of like a, a steady line. But there's there's good dialogue in it. But there's also some stuff that's just a little
3: wonky. Oh, it's like, uh, you know, like Steve Buscemi's like, where's the commode? I got to take a squirt. Like, yeah. who talks like that? <laughs> 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 and some of the plotting doesn't really make any sense. But it's a good okay. little caper. It's you a good know, little.
1: Yeah, it's fun. Uh, it's I
3: remember seeing that for the the first time and, and thinking, you know, what oh, a different man. kind After of. After that, movie I wanted to it get it a black
0: suit with a skinny tie. Yeah, exactly. I think we all did, yeah.
3: Um, so, kind of more of a like, Pulp Fiction is clearly a better film, but I think Reservoir Dogs had a bigger impact i think really, yeah
0: reservoir dogs was a much more ferocious just, this is who i am statement to it whereas i think pulp fiction even out of tarantino's oeuvre now i really think of pulp fiction in my top five of his films i, w- I would certainly say it's number two or number one for uh, see, me i but still i pr- i would i would in my top five tarantino films i would include django unchained jackie brown uh jackie brown uh inglorious bastards uh the one hateful of the Kill eight Bill movies the hateful eight and okay. I was gonna say like either Kill Bill Volume One or Death Proof, just because I think I think for him to do Death Proof, which like and I not, love Death Proof. Death by Proof the was way. such a great, it's fun a great yeah. Film. Um, and then finally I, I ended
3: up with the I think the film that meant the most to me throughout my life uh, Which is Ghostbusters.
0: Yeah, that was wonderful. I, I actually that made me like stop and rethink because I started mine I've gotten about six images in and then I kind of like lost didn't do it. I fell off the wagon I gotta finish it up, but Ghostbusters definitely impacted me a lot when I was a kid So I think oh I might God. have to include I, it.
3: that is the film I've seen the most out of any of yeah I've, I the oh. bulk of it when I was a kid and a teenager so I watched it mm-hmm. about 50 times then and I haven't yep. seen it a lot as an adult but man
0: I watched it again over Thanksgiving weekend oh it's great yeah still holds up it does the jokes it are does. good except the special the, effects uh, are pretty damn it, decent yeah, for, for, for it, 1984 the one that doesn't hold up that still was weird to watch it with my folks was the Dan Aykroyd ghost above oh, him, right, him on His pants yes. scene uh, Dan Aykroyd gets a blowjob from a ghost yeah me and my family watched that <laughs> I never understood to... that as a kid either no, I was and like was What's an adult... happening and as an adult now it's much weirder because I'm just like because when I was why a kid why did they put that in there it's not even I don't know I think that was just Dan Aykroyd Dan Aykroyd because like if you <laughs> I remember we talked about Nothing But Trouble at a certain point and none of you guys have seen it but like Dan I Aykroyd saw on TV is like a weird guy I feel like that's
2: like a Dan Aykroyd like fantasy that like he's wanted to uh
0: blown by a ghost
2: yeah because he <laughs> believes in the pay. he's really into the paranormal right? oh
0: totally and UFOs I mean he hosts he's created Sci-Factor and hosted it for years in Canada he probably thinks he's been blown by a ghost this is probably
3: where this comes from he's like I'm telling you guys yeah, and then happened. there was ectoplasm everywhere afterwards
0: okay <laughs> he's got that shitty vodka
3: that nobody likes
0: yeah but except for they liked the, the bottle it comes in because it's a skull yeah you buy it once you make it into a candle yeah so a little, from what if snob-free potato oh.
1: <laughs>
0: do you have a, a Dan Aykroyd's Crystal Skull vodka?
3: No, bottle? I've never, because I cause I've never wanted to buy it. But that's what I'm thinking. I would, you could do with it
0: at least, make it into a kind of a cool candle holder, yeah, or just use it for like to put your vegetable juice in or something. That's what I would do.
2: Yeah, beet juice would be nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've got some
0: beet juice in the fridge right now that I made earlier yesterday. It's quite nice. Yeah, something red, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. So Lillian, what have you seen since we last recorded, all the way back in July of 2018?
1: That's how long it's been, yeah. Um, I don't remember. Uh, obviously, you guys could guess I was gonna say that. But um, yeah, I I can't really recall. I've been like reading more and.
2: What you been reading?
1: Uh, you know, just different stuff like different books and stuff. Uh, I was kind of reading um, consistently and then kind of put it down watching stuff. I caught up with Ozark. Um, yeah, so I don't know I probably from like the week before I watched some movies but uh, I can't remember them now but <laughs> I'm excited about this one.
0: <laughs> I have to point out it's in my apartment I have a marquee and point pointed to it even though it's got the wrong name on it so. I'm just excited to have Lillian back.
1: Hey, I thought maybe you changed it when I turned around or something.
0: <laughs> I'm not that quick. Um, all right, so it won't be like last time when... So even though this is coming out an episode after our bonus episode, uh, I... I Since... Okay, so between uh, Malatesta's Carnival of Blood and... Um, and Ninja uh, And Ninja Zombie, I watched 33 movies. I have not watched 33 movies since Ninja Zombie. I have watched one, two, three, four, five, um, and those five are the John Carpenter *Prince of Darkness* from the mid '80s, starring uh, uh, a Donald lot of tom pleasants I forgot who was in that, and a lot of actors from uh, *From Big Trouble in Little China* because he did it right after it, and of course Alice Cooper, and also an actor that I like to refer to as not Tom Skerritt because Tom Skerritt was too yeah, old that to play. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. He was too old. Tom Skerritt was too old to play a, a university uh, PhD student at the time. So John Carpenter just cast a guy that looked exactly like him, but like 10 years younger, <laughs> and had him grow a mustache. And it was like, there, I got Tom Skerritt. So it's not Tom Skerritt. That's how I, anytime I see him, I'm just like, that's not Tom Skerritt.
3: I'm just re- fondly remembering Tom Skerritt in Alien now, so.
0: I think uh, if not, Tom Skerritt
2: is that dude from Halloween 3. He's like big f-
0: uh, Tom Skerritt was in Halloween 3. That was Tom Skerritt in Halloween 3.
2: Are you serious?
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought that was the not Tom Skerritt, dude. No, 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 Tom Skerritt's in Halloween 3. Not Tom Skerritt is in is in Prince of Darkness.
3: <laughs> you gotta check out
0: not Tom Skerritt's IMDb page. I'm gonna look it up right now. It's gonna be big old Notable Rolls 1. Um... But yeah, so I watched the Prince of Darkness, which it's that movie still holds out. I love it to death. I love the fact that it's just sort of like the devil exists in a scientific uh, way, and now we got to deal with it. It's just fun, good, scary movie. Uh, then I watched 1984's Mutant, starring Wings Hauser, um, nice. Where he clearly was meant to be playing like a character that's supposed to be like 25 or something, but he's like 37 at the time because he's got a younger brother and they're driving across country and they're convertible. I feel like Wingshauser is
3: quickly becoming the patron saint of this podcast.
0: Really he's is. up there. He's on our Hall of Fame. Um
1: He's I, the Wings. Hmm? He's the wings of this establishment.
0: Even though we've only done one film with him in it, like he is so memorable. And in and, and he is to watch Vice Squad. Oh, we he's, should do Vice Squad. He's, yeah. he's
3: the wings above our wind.
0: Yeah. We yes. are the wind beneath Swing
1: his wings. The fart box. <laughs>
0: No, no, the
2: fart is <laughs> has, has been hidden away. Sorry to be real. I, I looked it up. Uh, not Tom Skerritt is Tom Atkins from Maniac Cop. Oh, in what? Halloween Three. What?
0: No, I'm thinking of Tom Act. What? What? what
3: Are there two non? Not Tom Skerritt. <laughs> that's, that's not
0: Tom. No, 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 no. I'm <laughs> what? No, I'm thinking of what? No, his name is is Jameson Parker. Okay. From Simon and Simon. Sorry, I'm thinking of Tom Aitkins. Oh, my God. Tom Skerritt, I was way off. I meant Tom Aitkins from Halloween 3. Oh, so Tom Skerritt is not in Halloween 3. Oh, uh, no. Let me just confirm, because they're just guys with mustaches, right? <laughs> I'm um, so confused. Me too. Um, although I love... So, Rob Schraub, the, um, the, the writer and the... Um, the writer and comic artist, the creator, of the Disposal of Assassin, he designed some fake movies for the film uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane or whatever it was called. So he did, you know, Wizard Vigilante, Cannibal Airlines, like a bunch of fake movies. And then in L.A., they were doing a art gallery slash pop-up space. It was called uh, Slashback Video, and it was basically people donated like lent out their vintage VHS tape covers to be put in this art gallery. You couldn't touch them, you could only look at them, but they recreated a video store inside this art gallery and he designed some originals for that. One of them of which was Halloween 3 part 2. <laughs> um it was a sequel to Halloween 3 and I loved it. It was so good. Um it was just like it was a photo of uh, Max von Sydow from Strange Brew that was like added to like with Tom Aikens in it and um and the uh, Silver Shamrock mask. It was really good. I'm I I
3: hope
2: I would watch that movie in Yeah,
0: yeah cuz like what happened to that universe after it went back to the bin. <laughs> yep.
2: Yeah. Well, half the kids on the West Coast died. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, it was an apocalyptic ending. Um, so yeah, so uh, 1984's mutant. It was. It's a fun little movie about. Uh, it's. It's a slow burn, and in basically like uh, Wings and his brother um, get run off the road by some rednecks in this town. It's actually an environmental thriller as well because the whole plot of the movie is that people are dying mysteriously, and there are these mysterious zombies that kill through touching people. And it turns out that there's a chemical company that's dumped that's supposed to reopen the coal and uh, the coal mines. Uh, but really what they're doing is they're dumping chemical waste underneath it, and it's turning people into these zombies. It was really, really well done, really good. I was actually, like, really impressed. It was a Richard Band production of uh, of Empire Pictures fame, although I don't believe it was an Empire Pictures production. So I highly recommend it for this ha- Halloween season. And then I watched the aforementioned Blackula. He's Dracula's soul brother, um, which was a really fun movie with a great soundtrack. I've got the soundtrack here on vinyl. Then we watched Demons 2 by Lombardo Bava, which we watched a few years ago. This was the Blu-ray version. It's still a super fun movie. Um, still, it's got one of the greatest smash cuts of all. Smash cut, like from some crazy demonic activity to people dancing to "Panic" by The Smiths, um, aka "Hang the DJ," as it's also known. Um, and then I watched the. Um, then I watched the 1979 television adaptation of Stephen King's *Salem's Lot*, directed by Toby Hooper, called *Salem's Lot*. I forgot it was a two-part TV movie. It's 189 minutes. Hell yeah, and it was wonderful. So with that being said, that brings us to tonight's film, which is The Witch Who Came in from the Sea. Now, yes, Phil?
2: Oh, yeah, I was just gonna jump in. Like directed by Matt Simber.
0: Yes. So
3: we're gonna. Just, I was just gonna fondly remember the other Stephen King made for TV movies. The Stand. The Stand. The Stand but also was quite good. Langoliers.
0: Langoliers.
3: The. With, uh, with, no, it's
0: it's uh, the Tommyknockers. The and Tommy... Jimmy Smith's the Tommyknockers. Jimmy Smith. The Tommyknockers was a movie though. I went to theaters.
2: No, no, it was a TV movie. Did, yeah, I don't
0: think it did. That, that early 90s King burst of like, it was like theaters and TV, you couldn't escape Stephen King. Kind of like now, but not as much. Like it's not the major networks doing the Stephen King they stuff. They
3: that, that terrible, The Shining adaptation with um, the Stephen. The King approved.
0: Stephen with yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> and um, what's her name from uh, Risky Business? Rebecca Mornay. Rebecca Mornay. And Scatman Crothers. No, not Scatman Crothers. Uh... Melvin Van Peebles, not Mario Van Peebles, Melvin. Ah.
2: Director yeah. of Sweet Sweetbacks, Bad
0: X Song. Yeah. Yeah, it was not good. I, I watched the first half of it with some friends of mine who are diehard Stephen King fans. They're like, it's so much better than the Kubrick version. It is not. It's so much better. It's it accurate is, to the book. It is definitely more faithful to the book, but, but to it is, its detriment. Yeah. Oh, it is not a good <laughs> film. Also, the fact that, like, you could tell that, like, it's not the big sprawling hotel from Stephen King's novel. Which was what, it's, yeah. It's like a... a a really shitty holiday inn that they're like taking care of for the winter what other uh, Stephen King TV adaptations were you thinking of I was
3: just uh, the Langoliers was the uh, with mm. Bronson Pinochet Pinochet, Pinochet. <laughs> <laughs> um, that that was the last one that I can remember mm-hmm. that just which, which prompted the the Fife Dog lyric eating through your crew like Stav- Stephen King's Langoliers and that's right. as, that's how it
0: can be remembered, I suppose. Wow, it all, it is always weird, a concept. We're seeing Bronson Pinochet appear in films like in True Romance, and because like I knew oh, him, yeah, only, yeah, I only yeah, knew Coke him as, as Balky from Perfect Strangers, and then seeing him like snorting a mountain of cocaine in in <laughs> True Romance was just really disheartening. Yeah,
1: Beverly Hills Cop too, isn't he?
0: <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> and and so yes whatever happened to the guy, the other guy from uh, Perfect Strangers he's still around he, he, I think he went to theater sort of Cousin like Mark Larry uh, not so much anymore yeah he used to anyway. used to back in the 80s he's still around I think he just does theater in New York fair I saw him interviewed for a show once and I was like wow he's just an old man now like he looks <laughs> like he doesn't look like you know when actors age they kind of have this like stateliness to them he just looked like some guy that you you know sit next to at a deli eating a sandwich Oh, cool. He aged yeah. naturally. He didn't... Uh... Exactly. It's called the Burger King Diet. Um, <laughs> not that he looked bad. He just didn't look...
1: Not that there's anything wrong with that.
3: I think there no. is
0: things wrong with the Burger King no, Diet. No, no,
3: no, I know.
1: <laughs> I have shitty timing for that.
3: No, that's fine. <laughs> it's good.
0: I actually ate at McDonald's for the first time in years recently. And it's it, not worth it, right? Oh, my God. I paid $12, and it... It made me sick. It well, if if it I doesn't got, make you sick, it doesn't fill you up. No, and it's I got, not the, worth I got the I got the I got the the black pepper Angus burger, which was because like I'm like I can't get a Big Mac, but and like the Angus burger at least it looks mildly like food, um, and like going down, I'm like it's not the worst thing ever, but it's not good. I've been like testing out A and W more and more because they're using like you know hormone free beef, and uh, they've got that Beyond Burger. The Beyond not Burger, bad. Beyond Burger is quite good. Yeah, I haven't tried the Beyond Burger. It's good. Anyway. It makes you feel healthy afterwards. Does it? Like It doesn't feel like you, you have a brick in your stomach. Okay. So anyways, I'm going to take a brief pause while I bring up my notes on uh, this film. So we'll be right back. All right. So the notes on The Witch Who Came In From the Sea it was written by Robert Tom, who also wrote early episodes of the 1960s television series The Defenders and Craft Suspense Theater. He would go on to write for Roger Corman around this time in films like Bloody Mama, Crazy Mama, and Death Race 2000. And then he passed away, sadly, in 1979. Uh, The film was uh, directed by Matt Simber, as Phil earlier said, or Kimber, not really sure how it's pronounced. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Who is best known currently for being the inspiration for Mark Maron's character on the Netflix series Glow. He directed 56 episodes of the original Glow television series in the 1980s. He began his career directing off-Broadway plays by F. Scott Fitzgerald, Tennessee Williams, and Jean Couteau. Couteau? Couteau? Um... I don't know. Uh, he would direct the Broadway revival of Bus Stop, where he met Jane Mansfield, who would go, who he would go on to marry and then later divorce soon afterwards. He would direct Mansfield in her final film, Single Room Furnished. Simber would go on to direct several sexploitation pictures with titles such as Africans Sexualis. <laughs>
1: Sorry, I gotta watch this movie. Single Room Furnished?
0: Single Room Furnished. <laughs> yeah, starring Jane Mansfield. Yes. Um, his uh, another well known sexploitation film of his was The Sexually Liberated Female. Guess what that's about? Um, he would find his breakthrough in Something
2: the Something George Costanza would rent. <laughs> yeah. He
0: actually um, <laughs> he actually found his breakthrough in the black exploitation subgenre. Uh, with films like The Black Six about an African-American biker gang that's out for revenge. And his most well-known film, The Candy, Ta- the Candy Tangerine Man, which was recently re-released by Vinegar Syndrome, uh, I think last year.
3: The Candy Tangerine Man? Yes. Sounds great. Candy
1: Tangerine
3: Man?
0: <laughs> yes. The title of a Tom Wolfe book. After a few more exploitation films, he made his one and only horror film, which is the film we're watching tonight, The Witch Who Came In From the Sea. He continued directing into the early 1980s in a variety of sub-genres, including the early 80s Conan the Barbarian knockoff, Hundra, and a kind of Western called Yellow Here and the Pecos Kid. He also directed the kung fu movie Tiger Man, the war film A Time to Die, and the gangster film Butterfly. Um, Butterfly, uh, oh, this film, stars Millie Perkins, who's probably best known for playing Anne Frank in the 1959 film The Diary of Anne Frank. She also appeared in Monty Hellman's Cockfighter, the 1966 western The Shooting, where she co-starred with uh, young Jack Nicholson. And And War Notes. Yep, and she was also in Oliver Stone's Wall Street and many TV shows. Uh, The film itself is one of the notoriously banned 72 horror films in the United Kingdom, better known as the Video Nasties. It has been described, along with Andre Zulawski's possession, as being one of only two art films prosecuted as a video nasty in Britain. It is a well-known favorite of international film programmer Kira Janice, who featured it in her book The House of Psychotic Women. Uh, The film was shot in 1971, but didn't see a release until 1976. It was originally rated X by the Motion Picture Association of Arts and Social Sciences, not for a pornographic sense, but in the same way that Midnight Cowboy and the Panic and Needle Park received X's in the, in the early 1970s. Um, and it should be noted that this will probably be a heavier than normal um, film for death by video, as this film uses horror to illustrate the generational damage caused by child abuse. So we're in for a little bit of a heavier time I've never seen this film. I'm excited to watch it, and uh, hopefully we'll find, we'll find some stuff to chew on and you know, continue you know, our humorous take on films from years gone by.
2: Woot. Let's do this. Okay.
0: We will be right back after The Witch Who Came In From the Sea.
3: <laughs> Turn on your television set. Find out what's happening in the real world
1: see it in black and white. God made all of us perfect.
3: How close do you want to be to the woman in your life?
1: We don't know if it's true or not unless it's on television. Why was Grandpa lost at sea? I don't know. Because he was perfect. Too good to live on land.
3: She's a witch come out of the sea. She's not a witch, but she's beautiful.
1: Every time you turn around, you see him dark, naked, green.
0: Okay, so that was The Witch Who Came from the Sea. It um, was, yes. I think we were all kind of blown away by this film.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: Yes.
0: Um, it's definitely not the horror film that I was expecting. No,
3: it's not our it's usual a fear. Very different style of horror.
0: Yeah, I don't even really want to do a scene by scene breakdown of this because I feel that would just be a little depressing. Like, it, the film dealt with the the I, I don't want to use the term explicit because that's gonna give it a, a seediness trauma it, it deals with trauma like uh childhood molestation and abuse and the f- long-term effects of it and i actually think the film was very progressive for its time because um, it, it showed people uh, it showed well the, the main character molly who's played by millie perkins who um is best known for anne frank from 1959 um it shows her self medicating with uh, with booze Alcohol, and, yeah. and random pills, and to kind of suppress her, her her trauma. And then it comes out in violent outbursts directed towards men. Um, and yeah, I mean it's 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 a hard film. I'm gonna I'm gonna just read quickly from just uh, so uh, in the book House of Psychotic Women by Kirill Janice that I spoke of in the intro. Uh, she has a, a passage on it, so I'm just gonna read the description that she has uh just so that we can uh get through this a little bit easier so um the witch who came in from the sea is equally accommodating oh so monty hellman alumni alumna millie perkins most famous for playing the title role in george Stevens' 1959 adaptation of the diary of anna frank plays molly whose father was also who was whose father was a seafaring man who molested her repeatedly as a child She loves her father desperately and is acquiescent throughout the abuse out of love for him, even though she senses that what he is doing to her is wrong. As an adult, she mythologizes him, telling her two young nephews tales of their sea captain grandfather, a perfect good man who never swore or had tattoos um, or a girl in every port and who went missing, missing at sea 15 years previous. Molly's adamance concerning her father's moral perfection simply hides her deeply repressed anxiety over her over uh her his uh, there's a typo in the book over his incestuous transgressions she grows up to be an alcoholic drinking excessively to quell the flashbacks that haunt her even though her frumpy sister kathy begs her to take better care of herself lest she turn out to be a drunken bum just like their father it's good for what ails you molly says flippantly but what ails you her sister pleads. Such queries are fruitless. It's clear there's no confidence shared between the two sisters fueled by divergent opinions about their dead father's moral character. Instead, Molly lives a fantasy life in her head where she seduces and murders men only to discover in the wake of numerous homicides that these fantasies might be intruding on her reality. That her targets are all large, strong men, football players, and weightlifters is an attempt to rectify the helplessness she felt as a little girl trapped beneath the weight of her father. But that weight is also an emotional one. So, I think that's a pretty good summation of the film. Yeah, I mean, pretty I sum- mean, yeah, it doesn't really thought. summate the, the style. Like, I really think that this film could have diverged into some horrific exploitation schlock. Mm-hmm. But it... Through the doesn't yeah I know it's it's one of those things where it's like it's almost like a perfect blend because you have early Dean Cundey who we watched some behind the scenes features and he really argued that the film should be shot with anamorphic lenses which provide a much wider much more I don't want to say Hollywood look. But it, it just looks more important than a squat little sixteen super sixteen millimeter image.
3: Well, you compared it to
0: um, some of the European films of the of the contemporary mm-hmm. uh, era. Yeah, I definitely I definitely felt like I don't want to say Antonioni vibes, but um, the use of matching shots to cut between the present and the past, and also the present and an imagined future, where she's on a on a raft surrounded by the mutilated bodies of several men. Um, definitely brought a, a European vibe and I feel that if this film came out a few years later it would definitely fit in with the new Hollywood sensibilities of the 1970s
2: hmm yeah like Robert Altman adopted some of that in front of a couple of his movies like totally. images and three women mm-hmm. I was also thinking that a bit as well
0: yeah I think it was probably just its its um, its release delay because by the time 1976 rolled around we'd already had jaws we were just about to have star wars and the tide had turn for the kind of films that were getting traction in north america
3: like taxi driver came out in what 77 70- no it was early seventy six. 76 so yep. same year mm-hmm. and that's it's pretty grimy as well pretty lurid exactly year old prostitutes but but
0: that also featured stars too. It featured robert de niro who had been in the godfather part two and right um, right and jodie foster who had been in um uh what was she she was in like all the disney films at that point yeah yeah
3: was she and Alice doesn't live here anymore? Or? Yeah, she was and Alice yeah, doesn't live right. here
0: anymore. Yeah, as the tomboy. The
3: Freaky Friday.
0: Yeah. the original Freaky Friday, later to be remade by Lindsay Lohan and uh, Jamie Lee, Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis. Hmm. Um. I mean, it's hard to really. I mean, like we can't really. You know, we tried to joke throughout the film early on, but that quickly fell away to silence. Like we were all kind of knocked for a loop. I think that. You know the the characters that populate this film are very interesting. From the um, so the character of Molly, um, we're introduced to her and her nephews early on.
3: Yeah, Lillian, you said off the bat you liked Molly.
0: Yeah, uh, and before obviously and, we knew more about her, but
1: yeah, yeah, I I really felt for Molly right off the bat, um, and she was channeling a lot of Elizabeth Taylor and a Johnny Isabella Ajani, Isabella Johnny for me yeah she was uh she had these like huge eyes and that's not what i liked about her i'm just saying that's that's what she channeled for me throughout did you guys catch any of that yeah
0: well like when she's dealing with her nephews mm-hmm. i don't know she had a very it, it did remind me of elizabeth taylor when, when she was talking to her nephews i'd also no, she not
1: that part just throughout like the character her, like Ma- millie what's her name millie
0: perkins millie perkins
1: I yeah
3: Kind of like a mix up between like Mary Steenburgen and uh, Elizabeth Taylor, perhaps. And there's
0: some Alison Brie in there as well. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, the the I think the character that was, a couple characters which I think don't think either any of us here anticipated becoming such major parts of the film were the character of Lon John and is it Dolores was her name? Doris. Doris from so. I've, I've just got written in my notes, Doris is awesome. So, yeah, so Molly works at this bar. Whenever mm-hmm.
1: lines start with something about a Daphne.
0: Da, yeah, Daphne, who is, like, the the other waitress that we never see that works at the same bar. I think it's called the Boathouse, yeah. yeah.
3: The Boathouse, yeah, and, and she always just, like, comes mm-hmm. in and, like, it could be, like, a serious thing going on, and she just cuts the treacle. She just comes yep. in and with a story or some
0: sort of turn of phrase that...
1: About Daphne.
0: Usually about Daphne, yeah. <laughs> yep. Daphne or, and the pills. crabs and cramps and... And her theory that homosexuals are murdering all the men that Molly is murdering. She she does get into that. She uses that, yes. a very non twenty eighteen term. She uses a very seventies term for that. Yes. Yeah. And when someone asks, her, like, "I'm sorry, what?" she's like, "Yeah, you know, I know those all about people. this. Yeah, I've got I've got connections. I I've know got, these I've got things. friends that other people don't have. Aren't friends with."
1: Daphne told me all about it. <laughs>
0: yeah, I I secretly love
3: Doris this entire time. Yeah.
2: Everybody's great in this. Yeah, so. Doris was a really good tension breaker. There'd be an intensity and then uh, Doris cuts in Well Daphne had diarrhea. <laughs> yeah,
0: she, <laughs> does. Yeah, was, she does. It do wasn't
1: grabs, it was diarrhea.
0: <laughs> yeah, you almost feel like there should be a <laughs> after every every scene with her. But she yeah, she undercuts the tension, but the interesting thing is that she actually was in the behind the scenes we learned she was an acting coach for many of the uh, more famous actors at the time, I think Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway, and um, she's such a natural on the film, mm-hmm. I
3: thought anyway.
0: Yeah, no, for sure, and she she basically like hadn't acted in years and, and didn't act in film like she was just a theater actress, and the way that her character evolved from just sort of being like this jokey older waitress in a uh, you know a sea themed bar to at the end scene when. When her and Long John realize that, you know, Molly's committed these crimes and that the only way for her to, like, really get out of it is suicide, which they assist her with.
3: I I, I wasn't sure if they were assisting her with suicide or they were just, like, doping her up for the cops to come. It was hard to tell. Probably both. Because she seems still somewhat lucid when the cops are arriving,
0: and then I mean that's going to be it for yeah. Molly. She's going to be well, cut it off. Yeah. Well, the, the end of the film is her visualizing herself on a raft being pulled out to sea. And, and,
1: and you know what? I think we it's okay that we don't know what happens. Maybe she lived on, but she got to kind of let it out.
3: She had that final little moment with her nephews there, which is a bit actually, odd like, and dark. Face
1: it and and speak it out and have
3: both of her mm-hmm. nephews both of who are like you know like 10 and 8 years yeah. old Child. And feeding and who, her vodka her. And yeah. pills
0: she says oh can you you know get me something to drink and then the other one gets her pills and like they they take turns like feeding her pills and then she swigs it down with vodka and the like, it's a very dark <sighs> film yeah basically. it is super dark it really <laughs> kind of knocked us all on our asses collectively I think um,
3: I was expecting witches
0: topic. Topic. there were no witches in this film
3: no.
2: I was definitely expecting it to be a on the sleazy side. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, You're, good.
2: You're good. I was expecting it to be on the sleazy side. Uh, the way it's marketed, <laughs> it's this very lurid thing. It's made by exploitation yeah. people. That,
0: that was the greatest shock of all because Matt Simber up until this point, like like I said, he did African Sexualis mm-hmm. and Sexually Liberated Female and a bunch of black exploitation and films. Dean
2: Cundey was like... He, he was doing H- Il- Elsa, like Harem
0: Keeper, Keeper of the Oil Sheiks, I think was at this time. Um, I don't think any of us were. It was just what that perfect mixture of, and also, um, Millie Perkins is a fantastic actress. And it was her husband that wrote this the mm-hmm. movie and wrote the role for her. Um, and we'll get he into wrote that.
2: Death Race Two Thousand. Yeah, uh,
0: and he was. he said like, like I actually looked it up. He actually uh, didn't just pass away in nineteen seventy nine. He actually committed suicide. Oh gosh. Oh my gosh.
3: Dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, yeah, when the movie opens, I see the the title mm-hmm. of the film and the kind of. Um, this is from the same. Um, w- w- what's the series that uh, that we're watching here? The the American. The American Horror Project. Yeah, so kind of regional. Um, yeah. Horror films. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was expecting a little bit more supernatural, and so th- when it opens we were, yeah. and we're on the beach mm-hmm. and you see these these muscle guys are working out big in their speedos that yeah. we're sure are stuffed. Oh, they're, they're... The, yeah. There's yesterday's laundry in those <laughs> speedos. <laughs> they're quite clearly stuffed with like, uh, yeah other sets of underwear and 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 different various
0: fruits um oh. yeah
3: <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> a and they're doing for like sure. they're just they're doing like reps they're, and one guy's doing, doing pull they're doing ups. they're
0: doing what muscle-bound guys do in movies which is like you know not doing like like they do like you know a couple chin-ups and some like stuff on the uh the rings as they say for gymnastics and, and so she's uh she's
3: staring at them she's staring at their mm-hmm. packages yeah and all of a sudden they're like strangled by the ropes yeah. they're like they're dead they're on the beach blood coming out of their eyes and i'm like why wow, she's a witch she controls yeah. them but that's, but no, not that's just inside. it's that, all inside her head it's all inside her
0: head yeah well the this thing is, is a very is, psychological
3: mm-hmm. horror film that we were treated to
0: i know and it's it's just so fascinating and i mean it's it's interesting because in we watched the the making out documentary which uh had matt simber and dean Cundy and millie perkins on it um and they actually the actor that played her father who raped her um yeah. in it as well who's aged really well yeah it's 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 just gotta be like it must have been so heavy to make this film um cause they, they it's not like it's it's a it's like hinted at that he he molested her it's it's, it's she it happens no, we see yeah. it happen I mm-hmm. mean it's not um
3: really graphic or exploitative no. but it's like yeah they're exactly. in bed he's moving up and down on top yeah, of her exactly
2: it's implied for maybe the first five minutes of the movie yeah and then it gets uh, the, very the actual. Quiet.
3: I think the most horrific scene in the film mm-hmm. is the one that they pointed to in the uh, in the um, the extras, which is uh, when the little girl comes home and she hangs oh, up yeah. a jacket in the closet, and then her her her, her jacket falls down. And this is uh, a young Molly. Yes, um, and she goes to pick up the jacket, and then there's her naked father in the Crouch closet at the like, bottom of the
0: cl- closet waiting for her. Yeah. It's very. Very traumatizing and very terrifying. Like, in, in a serious sense, it's and it's something like, you know, we tend to we tend to be more of a, you know, aw shucks and giggles podcast, but, you know, we really can't be with this film.
3: Well, yeah, the films that we watch tend to lend themselves towards mm-hmm. shucks and giggles. But. Yeah.
1: but they know where to draw the line.
3: Yeah, I don't know. Uh, can't laugh at this one at all. I mean, there were some, as I said...
0: Yeah, like Dor- the, the tattoo guy. For Doris example. is clearly meant to be a jokey character. The tattoo guy and who has a face tattoo in 1971, who says his name is Jack Dracula. Jack Dracula. Oh,
1: it makes sense. Um, he's actually a comedian in the after director. We find
0: we find out right? that he was a, a comedian who used
3: to appear regularly on the Milton Berle show in the 1950s. And uh, the director 1950s. yeah
1: called him up and said, "Would you mind doing a? I got a little lo- role for you." And yes, yeah, dude
3: is a real Salvador
2: Dali lookalike too. Yeah. He
0: is indeed, yes. He looked like you know American Salvador Dali. I would, oh yes, yeah, for sure. He didn't, yeah. He, there was no hint of of non-American uh, in him. But
1: um, when I saw him, I thought of the guy in Twin Peaks where he comes out from under. Yeah, the, a
0: bit of Bob too. Yeah, Bob from Twin Peaks. Yes, had
1: that type of thing.
0: He's got the bug eyes. Yeah, he's got the yeah. No, it,
1: just him coming out like that too.
0: Yeah, because he kind of emerged out of nowhere. Because like the kids early on in the film, they're like, "Oh look, tattoos! Let's get a tattoo!" And Molly's like, "Don't get a tattoo. They're permanent."
1: Actually, they're all like, "Whoa!"
3: And then this yeah, this dude comes out with like big old face tattoos, and this is obviously
0: long before SoundCloud rappers were, uh, or Mike Tyson, (laughs) or what's that guy you keep saying? Quest? No. What post Malone? Post Malone is another uh, Face tattoo guy
1: Basically when he makes his appearance And uh, Molly And her two nephews Freak out They jump back That was basically me When I watched (laughs) (laughs) Twin Peaks
0: Yeah it was terrifying Um it's yeah. I it, love that story of of, of Bob and how you, they discovered you, he him. Was a, he, was yeah, art, he was just a set designer. So he was a set dresser. So he's basically essentially an art PA.
3: And on like the and second call, episode, David Lynch was like, I think we found our Bob.
0: Yeah, well, he <laughs> that was in the pilot because he crouched down <laughs> to like avoid being in the camera, but he got caught in a mirror. And when David Lynch saw him, he was like, that's terrifying. Because in the original European uh, edit of Twin Peaks, the pilot, which was edited into a movie to be released theatrically, they actually had it all wrap up in the last five minutes where the one-armed man is like, I work with Bob, and he's in the basement of this building, and then they run down and catch him. Um, and that's Twin Peaks. Gosh, would have been a much different, um, different uh, production.
3: R.I.P. Um, mm-hmm. Shit, I can't even remember his the name. actor that played Bob. Frank, Frank. Silva. Frank Silva. Thank you. Yep. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I died of AIDS in the nineties, actually. Yeah. Yeah.
0: He was. Um, I don't want to say one of the most prolific, or not prolific, but like prominent actors to die of AIDS early on, but I definitely remember like that sticking oh, out. Rock when, Hudson. Yeah, Rock I mean, Hudson. AIDS. Although that was, I think that was hushed up at first, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Freddie Mercury as well passed away from, from complications from AIDS. Um, so I'm just going to read a little bit um, more from Carol Agenisse's book. So actress Millie Perkinson's father was a sea captain in real life and her husband, um, Corman, Corman, what? Oh, Corman writer. By the way, uh,
3: in the extras we saw,
0: she talks glowingly about her father. Yeah, yeah. Was her father a was, man. was a real like like seafaring man.
3: Like eight children.
0: Yeah, and um, so her husband Robert Tom wrote the script for uh, Simbers film, and he integrated many elements of Perkins' personal life, including her own childhood obsession with the sea. Just such a strange thing <laughs> to know. do to it's, your wife. Well, she even said that they they had a really weird relationship. You know, right? He also.
3: Hmm? He also has her like topless in a number of scenes. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: She's like, what a thing to do to your wife, huh? Yeah, but um, and she winds up getting a tattoo on her on her stomach of a mermaid. Well, um, the the actress did, or no, no, the character. The okay, character. okay, Yeah, sorry. Back to back to uh, House of Psychotic Women. Um, the image of the sea is one that comes up again and again in these sorts of films, and in the case of the witch who came from the sea. It's not just the symbolic connection between water and femininity that is of interest, but also the fact that the father is a seaman, like Sylvia's father in the Perfume of, of, the, Lady, oh, sorry, Perfume of the Lady in Black. In literature, from medieval mythology to Willie, uh, Wilkie Collins to Yukio Mishima, seafaring men have always been outsiders. Their life's work is typically to protect and uphold societal values but they live outside of the structure that maintains those values. Both Molly and Sylvia idolize their fathers for belonging to the sea and the only place where they are at home and and sympathetically liken the corruption associated with sailors on leave to being fishes out of water, drinking and carousing excessively only to mask the pain of the separation from the sea. I wanted to bring that up because early on in the film... Um, Molly's sister says, "You know, you could, you could, you don't need to be like a bar waitress earning next to nothing for tips. You could, you could be a cocktail waitress at one of the best clubs in town. You could even be a bunny and earn all kinds of tips." And at this point, Molly freaks out and says, "Like a bunny? You know what those bunnies are? They're hookers. They're hookers. You know, and there's a hooker in every port. So we kind of see that fractured, uh, like that fractured." interpretation of her father as like he's a seafaring man and there are good people that are out there but then you know they they go to a, a foreign port and you know kind of
1: well i think that razor commercial comes on in between that it does yeah and yeah. that really makes her go up and get a drink and her sister's asking her don't drink and they have that confrontation well and
3: her sister also I'm mentions i'm not gonna go
1: and be a bunny you know
3: before then we're watching a football a football game yep. and the announcers are talking about uh here's Eric the Electric mm-hmm. Johnson and all that stuff <laughs> Sam the Electric Man Sam the Electric Man right. yep. which is a great nickname mm-hmm. um and and then her sister is like you should go to one of these these you should be a bunny and then uh, where 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 yeah. do the football football guys go you could they, they could the be giving clubs. tips yeah They could be giving you much bigger tips than you're making at the uh, the boathouse Yeah She's like I don't want to do that but then like Half an hour later, she murders these two uh, football guys. I don't think it's half an hour later. I think it's it's because it's yeah. Well, it actually is a, a close to half an hour later because she it's says a, she it's has a clever to... little thing. She's like, I, I'm I've got to leave now. Yeah. It's still daylight. She's mm-hmm. like, I got to leave now because I got to make work for seven. seven. And then when we finally see her get to work, her boss is like, You're, You're like hours four late. hours late. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we realize yeah. why is because she's murdered these two people. And football we guys. we see
0: that scene where she murders the two football football guys, but they're very It's hard to
3: tell whether it was a dream. Because, I thought because, it was a dream. Yeah, it's very
0: the, the the audio is very detached and the way they're interacting with each other is very how do I put it? It's well, very smoking dream-like. pot. But, yeah, they're smoking yeah. pot. They're kinda of like it doesn't seem it seems a little bit more ethereal and like just like her gradualness of how she ties up these guys to murder them is it, so it feels like a fantasy. It doesn't yeah. feel real. And then you find out it's real it's the real, next yeah. day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I don't know where else to to go with this. I mean, I think it's it's such an interesting point in Matt Simbers' Her career. nephews, by the way, are named Tad and
3: Tripoli, which yeah. is something I couldn't get over. <laughs> <It's> very interesting. <laughs> I Me mean, neither. Tad. Tad and Tripoli. Who outside no, know, like no, a we <laughs> a billionaire family is named Tad? Well, well maybe for maybe it's short for Thaddeus. I don't know. Yeah, probably. Yeah.
0: But Tripoli. I don't know. Well, that just goes to prove. <laughs> People even almost fifty years ago, people were naming their kids dumb stuff. Fair enough. Yes. If I hear of one more Persephone, I'm going to freak out.
3: Um. Oof.
0: Yeah. Sorry, Persephones. I'm going to get so many other... angry like letters from Persephones now.
3: When she when she first starts trying to pick up the uh, the shaving cream commercial guy because she meets him at a party, mm. um where she's um seduced by Billy Bats. Billy Bats not the character from Goodfellas and there's, he
0: has a pool in his living room where I think I guess the rules are no clothes ever because there's a scene where later on Billy Bats is being inter- like interviewed by the police and he's sitting there and we see all of oh, Billy's yeah. Bats it's yeah. underwater but it's like oh he's not wearing underwear no. you can see right there's down no there there's no swimsuit where, you know, come on
1: would you guys be
3: yeah probably I would be like oh my god if the
0: cops were coming
3: and I'd be like alright occasionally when
0: I'm in my apartment (laughs) occasionally when I'm in my apartment and I'm just in my boxer shorts and and like a t-shirt in the morning and I see like a shadow go by like the outside window I run into my like (laughs) run into my bedroom not uh not Billy Bat though who uh Famous movie star or something. Yeah, so right? he's at uh, he's he's at Long John's Bar where Millie, uh, Molly works as yep. a waitress in Santa Monica. Which it's interesting to see Santa Monica because I, I work with a lot of uh, directors who live in Santa Monica, and it's a very high-end, expensive place to live. But apparently, in 1971, it was kind of run down, which I liked a lot. I'm like, man, this awesome. Some like, of
3: it was, but it still had yeah.
0: stars coming in. Like it was not that, uncommon no. to meet a movie star. Exactly, but because um, I think they would be out there for the beaches and the and the piers. And although they did mention that Billy Bat's house was in malibu which was always a bit more expensive than right than so he Monica. invites and um she's
3: she's obviously dating long john like they obviously have a sexual relationship yeah. but long john is like oh yeah that that movie star wants to wants wants to spend wants some time to sleep with, you. with you yeah that's okay
1: oh, we already did yeah. That scene you're talking about. They already did.
3: Yeah, yeah. So at the party, she she kind of sort of gets, starts to get with Billy Bats. And then we think we, she, she, she's
0: going to murder Billy Bats. Yeah, because at a certain point, he just kind of like unzips his pants and tries to to like grab her by the head and no, shove.
1: Oh guys, they first met at the bar where she works yeah, at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's they, what I'm saying. Whatever. Yeah. And then And up. then he
0: invited her to this and party in Malibu. And then he invited in her to this
1: party, yeah. So that scene. Um, yeah. And yeah,
3: there's a weird scene where he's kind of like he slaps her. Um, because yeah. she bites him on the lip. Yeah, while well, they're uh, kissing, yeah. and then he's like, "All right," and he unzips his pants. And he's like, he tries to draw her head towards him, and she's like, "No, no, no!" And then she goes to bite his dick off, basically. That's what we that, That's what we surmise. Oh yeah. Doesn't succeed, I assume, because we she, see his dick later on in the movie. And yeah, it's still there. She
1: like after him. He <laughs> slaps her for for because she was biting him while they were kissing, and she flies halfway across the room. And she kind of starts yelling at him or something, right? Mm-hmm.
3: And then and she then... breaks his hand. Like, I don't know the strength of this woman, but she. she... Yeah,
1: he just comes at her, unzips his pants, comes at her, and uh, she goes to bite it or something.
3: Right? She goes to bite it, and she he pushes her away. And then he, he tries to grab her, and she grabs his
0: hand, and she breaks it.
1: Yeah.
0: Which is amazing. Yeah. Um, and then he like throws her out through the door like now people hear uh, cause there's like she, she starts screaming at him and then people outside cause there's a very there's a man with a, a fantastic afro who <laughs> just out of nowhere is like what is that what's going on man and then uh, they all run over get, and then you know Billy Bats throws her out of the door out the door she like slams her head onto the ground and this is where she meets uh, what is it Van Peek was his name yeah, I can't remember yeah. the guy who shaves. As guy, he's yes. referred to by Long the, John. Yeah, well, that's the thing is like the character. <laughs> so throughout the movie, she sees this commercial of uh, for it's like a shaving July commercial or whatever. Yeah, yeah, for for razors, and the guy always says like, you know, you know, uh, the, the closest shave so that you know your wife or girlfriend or whatever can be as close to you as possible. Don't don't bruise your lady, which is a weird yeah. way to put it. Mm-hmm. Don't as in don't scrape your lady's face with yeah. your stubble. <laughs> but. um... um
3: Uh, anyway she meets him at the party he's with his girlfriend mm -hmm. uh and then she i don't know they go to a a bar afterwards like they
0: leave that party they go to a bar and she kind of like she's like yeah i want to sleep with you and right in front of his girlfriend yes and long john and long john's kind of (laughs) like and
3: uh, long john's cool
0: though he's like yeah "Yeah." it was the early seven you can tell that long john was a guy that was like probably had a much more secure because like he he clearly owns the bar that he works out of like that he bartends at and you can tell that he probably had like a much more stable life in the early 60s like the boathouse is probably like a respectable like sea rest seafood restaurant or something before it became just a straight up bar because we see him living in a portion of it that's closed down and you see booths with tables and and it's still all decorated like not with a nautical theme like you see the uh, the mermaid from the front of a ship you see uh, captain's wheels um, you were talking about that. Now mm-hmm. uh, there's not any uh, more I, nautical I themed well, it's, bars. It's also because that. I grew up in on the East Coast, and anytime we'd go, like a lot of restaurants for decorations had steering wheels or and fishing nets hanging on the wall for no real reason, even if they weren't seafood restaurants. And mandatory
2: uh, sailor
0: uniforms. No. Eye
1: patches.
0: Wasn't there no. a? Uh, wasn't
3: there a? a, a, a a boat at the harbor front that was running for a little while. I yes, think it's closed Captain, down now. It was it
0: Captain John's? It might have been Captain yeah, yeah, John's. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember there was the whole story of yeah, it. Yeah, that
2: boat sank at least a couple of times too.
0: The first one sank, and okay. then they got a different one, and that one was sitting there for years, and then eventually the city of Toronto like cut the power and water to it, so you had to close down, and it was sold <laughs> and towed away, and like it actually got chipped towed away. The interesting thing, though, is that I read... There was an article on either the Torontoist or Blog TO about someone went there for New Year's Eve. Because in the 70s, it was a happening spot. Like, John Lennon and Yoko Ono went there multiple times. Pierre Trudeau went there. Um, and so someone went there for, like, New Year's Eve of, like, 2005 or 2006. And they were like... It was very strange because the, it was a mishmash of food because he had all kinds of different cooks and stuff. And the titular Captain John was... Um, from, I think he was from, like, Yugoslavia or somewhere like that, and he came to Canada in the 70s to start this floating restaurant, and initially it was all seafood, but now there was, like, a mishmash of seafood and uh, spring rolls and oh, hamburgers, God. so it was kind of all over the place. It's the original fusion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but it's sadly no longer there. I, I, like, Toronto's losing its kitsch. We lost Ana we lost Captain John's. Like, what's left, really?
2: We were losing the Galleria.
0: Oh, uh, the Galleria. Don't, don't say It's sad walking through there now. The only stores open are uh, Freshco, Pharma Plus, which used to be a Rexall. Or is it now? Now it's Rexall. It used to be Pharma it's Pharma Plus. Now, it's Rexall, now Rexall. Yeah. I always forget. The Dollarama, the LCBO, the Pet Value, and Fabric Land, and uh, the Gym, and Battle Arts. Fabric,
3: Fabric Land. Fabric uh, I guess Oh, we but should... uh, we're getting mm-hmm. to the point where, oh yeah, she's... um. So she's trying to sleep with this uh, shaving cream guy, the shave the shave guy, um, and I guess she she calls him up one morning. She's like, "I got rid of your girlfriend mm-hmm. f- for you." Oh yeah, I told,
0: you. Her, uh, you know, I, I told her,
3: you know, I told her that to to sh- ship her off to sea on a Chinese freighter. Ship her off to sea on a Chinese freighter, and I was wants to gonna see kill China her. China yeah, to because he was gonna take her to China. So she's like, if she wants to see China, I, I told her I, I know some sailors she can go with. And the and funny those thing sailors is, we're there. <laughs> So, the next morning, she's, she's pissed off, the, the blonde. She's shooting his car. She's shooting his car. And then these two Chinese guys are in the bushes, and one of them is like, <laughs> is she killing the car? And the other one is like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and the first thing she
1: screams when he comes to her, like, he's saying, what are you doing? She's like, I'm not going to China on a freak." ferry so afraid molly
3: really
0: did set her up with these chinese guys yeah, to go like, on a she, freighter. Like, locked it down and then she's, <laughs> she's like wait you want to go to Ch-? like and like, she's like yeah i totally like i'm sure it was like a jokey thing and then the next day like the two chinese guys are like so our freighters out <laughs> uh, you know parked in the dock if you want to come with us right now we're going to china um and that winds up the police then get involved with um uh, with uh, Van Peek and his girlfriend, and they kind of like start thinking maybe this is the the person. They're well, also interviewing um, Molly's sister because there were some clothes found at the scene of the well, crime. She, she ties up the uh, the football gentleman with her own clothes. Yeah, and and Molly's sister. Does a sailor's knot? Mm-hmm. Molly's sister augments her her welfare income by um, customizing clothes for the rich and famous, I guess. Or the what she says, I make you know cheap clothes. I, expensive clothes look cheap or something and so they kind of all were are tying it together um let's you know, find a, a pin yeah. like a a football pin or something yeah, a football pin yeah uh the other thing too that's interesting is that um it's kind of brought up a couple times that the van Peek, who is the man in the shaving commercial uh when molly sees him and fantasizes about him she he kind of refers to himself as her papa which is a weird identification thing. Well, one of the football guys does that. Does that too. It, it, keep, it keeps coming up again and yeah. again and again. And There's, obviously she does mm-hmm. not like that. Yeah, and we, we also should point out that like, in addition to the trauma from being molested by her father, her father dies of a heart attack while molesting her and then falls on top of her and nearly well, smothers he her. Well, not just
3: molesting he's raping her. Yeah. Like full on, and uh, yeah. he has a heart attack. Mm-hmm. mid-rape and then just dies on top of
0: her it's and she has to like traumatic. force him off it's it's yeah. a horrific scene and, and I it's think, that yeah. and it's then when we find out he has a mermaid tattoo on his belly which inspired her to. and it, <laughs> that also ties into the start of the film when she really doesn't want the boys to go to that tattoo probably because there's the same mermaid tattoo in the window is something you can get
3: also the, yeah. uh, the the tattoo guys talk yeah, 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 but even before then,
0: she was not not keen on actually,
1: it. We don't know until later. Yeah, she's eyeing a mermaid tattoo and
0: she gets one herself yep. oh. by the creep Jack Dracula and it turns out he's not a creep. They actually like have a fairly civil conversation.
3: Yeah. And she's like that must be a nickname. You just gave yourself a nickname. He's like "Nope, my name is Jack Dracula. That's my name.
0: mm mm-hmm. Mhm. So, um we should point out that she kills the... Um, in addition to the football players that she murders... She also kills uh, Van Peek. And she kills him in a way that she fantasized... Him slicing his own throat with one of his fancy razors... That he's selling in the commercial. And she comes in... This is po- after after Van Peek was released by the police. And uh, she comes back over... Um, and takes his razor after he's done... Because he's shaving looking in the mirror. And she enters the room... And they're both naked and she takes the razor to like basically do a little like oh i'm just gonna get the rest of, of your your cheek cleaned up and then she like digs in deep slits his throat and then drags it all the way down his chest down to his groin where she and we should point out that like par- like in addition to the murdering like she kind of it's it's common with sexual trauma to like mutilate genitals um
3: well the, the blonde his girlfriend had yeah. threatened to cut off his balls and- yeah I'm thinking that's what she does yeah, to him because she, she spends she, a lot of time down there.
0: Yeah, yeah. But she also did it to the football players as well.
2: Am I misremembering with um, the fantasy sequence that he's directing, like how to slit? Yeah, so, yeah he is. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I think
1: that's her thinking. What she will do to him. That's yeah, I was, uh, yeah. Because
3: that's exactly what she does. Yeah, she does indeed. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, because in I guess in her 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 psychological makeup, that kind of alleviates guilt because he's the one that points out her to her how to do it um and and like i think we to understand the character
3: thinks these are fantasies she's not even she's
0: not entirely sure that yeah. she's
3: done these things because
0: mm-hmm. that's the thing because she like when she shows up three three or four hours late for work she's like no i'm not i was on time so she just in her head thinks it was a fantasy and, and then when later on uh long john tells her like that that actor you're with has, has been found dead she's like really but we got to watch it on tv because it's only we only know if it's real if it's on tv and also early on in the film, we realized that like her father, she watched TV with her father and he eventually kicked the TV down and broke it, which is all comes back to the trauma that right. she he, suffered. He, she'd
3: be watching it while he was trying to sleep yeah. and she, he'd get angry that it was and, on. And,
0: and kick it. Yeah.
3: So with this frightening clown that was on the TV, like yeah. I don't even know what was going on there. It wasn't Bozo.
0: That's for no, sure. No, no. I think it was kind of like a Bozo knockoff or something that they had for the film. I don't think they had enough time to really shoot the, the inserts for that.
2: Yeah, it was horrific, because, mm-hmm. like, the character of the, of the young girl, of her, she was so delighted at watching this cl- horrific
0: clown yeah. show. Yeah, she was mm-hmm. She was very happy at this terrifying clown. That was before clowns were scary. Even in 71, it was before clowns were scary.
2: No, this is, like, scary even by scary clown standards.
0: It's, it's, uh, it's an awful-looking clown. he's
2: I thought it was like something just for kids. Stuff.
1: You know, she was watching it, enjoying it, and then... But, yeah, of course... We would see flashbacks of the clown, and it would just be creepy. It's a of weird its association.
3: Like, he was like licking his lips and stuff. There was a weird sexuality yeah, to the clown. Yeah, I don't which think
1: which was morphed later. It wasn't uh, creepy to begin with. Right.
3: Probably, yeah. yeah. It's just her memories that are distorting it. Yeah. No, this clown was a devil's reject.
0: reject. <laughs>
3: Man, this, this movie was, was freaking Sid Haig over there in the. Uh...
1: This movie was something.
0: It was indeed, yeah. So I guess we should move on to final thoughts because I don't really think there's anything else we can dwell on or or extrapolate from it. So, Phil, what are your final thoughts on The Witch Who Came From the Sea? I loved it.
2: It Mm -hmm. was... There was this incredible dreamlike quality to much of the movie. Yeah. Uh, It was incredibly well shot. The acting was excellent. Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, All across the board, I kind of felt like it was... uh, You just triggered a memory for me that uh, it was kind of... I think I said... If Cassavetti's directed a horror movie, this would kind of be what it would be. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it, it, no, it's, it's, it's a mix not of really styles. a horror
1: movie, right? Yeah.
2: No, I guess it's a psychological it horror movie. A way.
0: It was definitely. It's a horror. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely marketed as one from the. So the. the, the uh, sorry, Phil, to cut you off. It
2: arguably has horror yeah. elements. Mm hmm. Anything else, Phil? Oh, uh, that's pretty much it. Like, mm-hmm. it, it was just an excellent movie. It really exceeded my expectations. I was fully really yeah. stoked to see it, and I'm really glad that I finally did.
0: Mm hmm. Kate, what are your final thoughts I liked it
3: this, this kind of goes back to what I was saying about the piano teacher about mm-hmm. um, the value of films that are somewhat unpleasant to watch yeah um, and yeah it's you
0: know it's worth watching It's as you say it's, mm-hmm. it's well shot it's well acted uh, it looks good and it, it for, for a film from the early 70s it just it definitely touches on a type of trauma mm-hmm. and something that was going on for, for you know forever that just was not talked about at the time yeah Mm-hmm. So that's that's it. That's all I got. Cool, Lillian, What are your final thoughts on the film?
1: Yeah, I don't think I can really add to anything you guys have said. I thought it was beautifully shot too. Very, um, yeah, just very moving. It was very, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's um, it's 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 tough. And and the director was saying it. You know, it was a tough kind of subject matter to cover, but. You know, it's something, it's a reality.
3: Just amazed that he, he cast his own, uh, the writer cast his own wife into this, this well, film. Well, he wrote
0: it for his wife, yeah. yeah. And then brought on Simber. Uh, it's, yeah. <laughs> Anything else? Anything else, Lillian?
1: I, I really enjoyed it, yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, my final thoughts are I love this film as well. I, I definitely wasn't, I didn't know what to expect. I know that this film had had some cachet uh, from being mentioned uh, in Carol Agnesis' book, and also um, mentioned by uh, Rebecca, or actually Dr. Rebecca McKendry, uh from the Shockwaves podcast, uh, who teaches film and is a filmmaker in Los Angeles, as having being known. It just it's such a weird thing to encounter a film from 1971 that had such a openness and frankness about it to its to the trauma it was exploring, and to not hide and and kind of just you know not to to make the woman like a demon or a, or a ghoul or a vile person who was like, oh, well, she was ruined from the start because of this and now she's like not even a person. It it really empathized with her and her, her situation and it made you feel that like we're seeing different, her trying to rationalize her reality because like so much of her memories of her father are repressed that she then represses other memories and she uses, you know, turns to alcoholism and, and prescription drugs to, uh, oh God, to that kind of... Scene.
1: Like all those bodies collected into one, you know. Yeah, there was a there was a
0: weird. Out. I don't know if we mentioned it. They, uh, I think, Dean Cundy described it as a flash forward to a future that doesn't happen. It's like she's. It's, a,
1: it's like a. It's like a holy shit. Like,
3: I thought. Just I thought while we were watching it, everything that and, maybe it was a memory. Like she's killed before, and yeah. I, I suspected because uh, her sister, her right? sister Kathy's husband, disappeared. Took off. And I sort of suspected that, oh, I guess she probably killed the husband as well.
0: Like, I, don't, I don't think she did. Because but I think, the yeah, thing, I think the killing thing is, is new for her. Because the thing is, every time she commits murder, like the bodies are found. And yeah, there's yeah. evidence left behind. It's not like she's a, a master That's criminal. the only
1: thing that made me think it's something recent. Like her, lash, her recent lash out. Because she's not uh, good at
3: murder. <laughs> she leaves evidence all over the place.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. I kind of think it was definitely like this film is, is showing her psychotic break, and when she actually crosses, like when she can no longer uh, suppress the the trauma through alcohol and drugs, and it eventually like leaks out into her physical actions. And I think those those really crazy shots because they were like psychedelic colors and of a woman with longer hair, which may or may not be her, tied to the um, to this uh, the mast of a. Of, raft, a, of a raft basically,
3: or a boat, of and some
0: sort. Um, and there are like you know it's
3: torsos, like half a dozen yeah. torsos
0: of men on the ground. So this is kind of like her flashing forward to to what could be her future if she continues down this path.
1: And also, um, it just shows how how consumed she is by it. Because it, if if we look at it, the people that she has killed are people that she sees on her television screen. Right? It's like something that is on, like just always. Taunting her, right, and everything she sees.
0: Well, that's the thing. It's like whenever she brings the fantasy into reality, the fantasy of television, because like they're watching a football game, and then she seduces the football players. She's watching that ad for for shaving, uh, for shaving products, and then she seduces the actor that's in it. Not really even seduces. It's just they It's kind of like the fluidity of the time. Um, so yeah, I I really dig this film, and and I I'm glad that that it was included. And I, and I, again, not to toot on Arrow Video's horn, but they like they. They really found three films that are are very different from what I understand that, you know, are are a slice of American. And, like, they they pointed out to – they said that the American Horror Project was focusing on regional productions, but I – I don't really this film you know being shot in LA by like a well known uh, exploitation filmmaker doesn't really make it a regional film but it definitely didn't have it had a notoriety but it was definitely underground like Mellow Test is Carnival kind of Blood and even Dean Cundy said like I'm not really sure it found an audience at this time and I don't really because it the poster for the film is of it, Like, it's kind of insane what the poster for the film looks like it's uh,
1: what year was Marnie?
2: Marnie? Marnie was from the mid 60s
1: did you ever did you get a pinch I of Marnie? I saw that
0: ages ago. Yeah.
1: No, but I mean, I I got some vibes of Marnie.
0: Yeah, in for it. sure. Yeah, for sure. But anyways, yeah, the poster for it is of a of a buxom sea witch holding the severed head of a man yeah. while standing on a rock. It is not what we got at all. It looks like the cover <laughs> of like a of a King Crimson album from 1977. So. Um. all that being said yeah I mean, like you would think sorry mm-hmm. to cut
2: you off yeah you would think that like a, somebody like an ex somebody's going to see exploitation movies or point this at 42nd Street yeah
0: mm-hmm. I don't think it played 42nd Street though I think no. this is more of a drive-in sure um, but even at the drive-in they're like mm-hmm. oh well that's a bummer yeah I feel it would have killed a lot of dates um gonna see The Witch Who Came In From The Sea and then yeah so with all that being said
1: right? <laughs> yeah but
0: an excellent movie Absolutely A completely excellent movie So with that being said
3: uh, That's it for us for tonight well, yes. What, what uh, weird psychological horror We got coming up next week right? Well, We're
0: watching the final film In the American Horror Project Volume 1 uh, The Premonition Which I've yes. not Another film I've not seen I don't even know anything about it So I'm going to do some research on it And then we'll come back next week And record And uh, yeah, I'm excited about this one Yeah So For Death by Video I've been Phil I've been Kit
1: Still will.
0: And I've been Graham saying, please be sure to rewind. We'll see you next time. Please keep watching awesome movies. Good night.